I don't know if you guys have tried the Chobani Blueberry Greek Yogurt with maple oatmeal, but yo, that's my joy! joy. What's good, friends and family, neighbors, near and far? Welcome to episode four of the Yo, That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life, dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. Nate 3.0, a.k.a. Long John Silver, a.k.a. Johnny Depp, a.k.a. Goldie John, a.k.a. John Lovitz, a.k.a. the guy who holds the door for you too long and makes you feel awkward because you're so far away so you pick up speed a little but then you trip on the curb and you give a panic to ah before regaining your composure and entering the Wawa all while thinly hiding your annoyance, a.k.a. Big Boy Nate back at it again with yet another episode. As always, I hope this podcast finds you in good health and in good spirits. A little bit later, I talk with musician Kevin Mooney about how his exposure to the cure at an early age set him on a path to the bass guitar and a life in music. And pay attention as he gives my favorite response to the unappreciated John question during the Top 10 Countdown segment of The Johnlet. You will not want to miss it. Before that, I give a review of the new Idols release, Ultra Mono. With this episode, we have reached the halfway point of Season 1. Four episodes in now, I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and the conversations I've been having as much as I have. This whole thing has been a crazy pipe dream in the back of my mind for quite some time, and to actually see it through has been great, and it's really becoming something more than I ever imagined it would be. So, I just want to, yet again, thank you for listening and being a part of this project. Without you, it's just me. And that ain't the way it's supposed to be. A little over a week ago, Idols released their latest album, Ultra Mono, and y'all, it is an absolute 100% instantaneous capital J John. The first time I saw Idols was their NPR Tiny Desk concert performance last June when they were promoting their second album, Joy, as an act of resistance, which, also a John, and I was completely gobsmacked. From the opening riff of Never Fight a Man with a Perm, I knew I was experiencing a band that I was about to become insanely obsessed with. So believe me, the anticipation for this, their third full-length album, was high. And my friends, they did not disappoint Frank Sinatra used to follow a lesson he learned from the great comedian Joey Lewis in crafting his live sets. Lewis believed in hitting the audience with three strong jokes before settling into his act. And so, Frank took that approach, starting off each performance with three hot numbers before opening up and working the crowd. So with that in mind, I put a lot of weight on the opening tracks of an album. I give it the Frank Test. And well, if Frank liked to give you three happening ditties to kick off the festivities and set the mood, Idols took that logic and put on a full frontal assault as their opener. From note and beat one of war machine gunning through your eardrums into the first two singles released from the album Grounds and Mr. Motivator, the band sets to establish that they are slamming their foot on the gas pedal and they will be goddamned if they are going to let up, smacking you next with the perfect track for 2020, Anxiety. It's there where our loving hosts greet us with a gentle piano reprieve. 
But psych, fuck you, that shit lasts 32 seconds before motherfucking pedal once again meets motherfucking metal through the wonderfully stunning Kill Them With Kindness. Model Village comes through like a pissed-off surf track, while Natouche Pamois takes on toxic masculine predatory bullshit, topping it with a cherry of a fantastic Dirty Dancing reference. Carcinogenic and Reigns operate as a perfect one-two punch, spitting directly in the faces of those who profit from the ever-widening class divide. Then, Idols caps the album with what I see as the Trilogy of Love, starting with The Lover, which holds one of my favorite lines on the album, I want to cater for the haters. Eat shit. From there, the lover opines that he wants to be loved in a hymn before closing the album reassuring you that true love will find you in the end with the perfect send-off, Danke. Frontman Joe Talbot said in an email blast recently that this album, quote, is meant to fill you with the violence, love, and the rhythm of now. This is less a review than it is a meditation of said love for this band, this album, and what they represent. I am full of love for these guys. They are a big, beautiful, forceful breath of fresh air, and I am glad they exist. And shout out to the Idols community, all is love, AF gang, I am fucking glad you exist. In the spirit of Yo, That's My John, I only have four categories I will be using in the future to rate things. It's not for me. Yeah, it's good. I can dig it. And that's my fucking John. So, I'm sure it is plain to see that Ultra Mono is receiving my very first That's My Fucking John rating. Check it out, available in stores now and on all of your favorite streaming services. We're going to take a short break, stick around, and we'll be right back with my conversation with Kevin Mooney. My guest today has been a titan in the Lansdale music scene for 20-plus years. His bass playing has graced the low end of many a band from Chine to Imprint to Leavenworth to Drop Anchor and more. Currently, he can be heard lending his talents to the bluegrass group Three Beards and a Bush. And, as we touch upon during the interview, we graduated high school together. Gang, please join me in welcoming the great Kevin Mooney. fucking dehumidifier is that like is there a background noise that's getting here or anything it splits into two audio tracks and i actually can edit everything and clean things up so you're good okay cool i was gonna turn it off it's bothering you but if not yeah not a problem at all as a matter of fact um at some point you're probably gonna hear my dogs tap dancing on the floor so uh <laughs> no i can relate because if anybody <laughs> god forbid comes this time of night my dogs are gonna go bananas so <laughs> cool 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 so um, let me just uh, jump into this. We are joined today by the great Kevin Mooney, um, bass player extraordinaire. Um, I want to thank you for doing this and uh, joining us here on The John. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to kind of get started, let um, all these people know kind of uh, where you come from. Where, where did you grow up? Well, much like you, I grew up, you know, in the North Penn area. Um, Childhood was uh, Hatfield and then, you know, eventually in Lansdale when we were in high school. So it was always in that general area, North Penn School District and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I was there, geez, all the way to, well, just even when I got married, I was still in Lansdale. And then, uh, yeah, we eventually uh, settled here in Quaker Town. That's where I'm at now. I'm in like East Rock Hill Township. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah. when you, when you're growing up, like, uh, I, I always like to ask this question, what kind of music was going on around the house? Like what were your parents into? What were you kind of, 
my parents were into everything um it, it's it's hard to remember a, a lot of specific things i mean you know like in the car and stuff especially with my with my mom it was always like oldies and stuff my mom was was hardcore beatles you know um and whatnot um my 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 father was always into like pop music and stuff like whatever was happening you know he was he was into um but my my real music exposure came from my sisters and like because they were they were older than me and uh so when i was like a young teenager and even probably before i was a teen i was exposed to like the cure and depeche mode the smiths and all that stuff and that's the music that really grabbed me for you know, cause I like stuff before then and whatever as a kid. But at that point, that was when I really um, started to love music and, and even the thought of playing a bass, you know, came from my sisters. My sister had a bass, so I wanted to have a bass, you know, and uh, probably my first like time really hearing it and, and what it does is definitely the cure. Like a lot of their stuff, excuse me um you know and and the sounds too like like disintegration the disintegration album stuff like that bass sound was just like whoa that's when i really started to you know realize what that instrument does and whatnot you know in the in the grand scheme of things you know so yeah so did you take lessons then or were you never no i never did and um at the time, like when we were in high school, you know, like I took a lot of those, those classes and stuff like, like solo for performers was cool. Cause you literally just showed up and play, but like, um, like music composition and theory and stuff. Like I was just, I was just a jerk off in that class. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. oh, I was like, oh, I need this shit, you know? And, and now like, I wish, I wish I had it, you know? Cause, um, uh, I just was basically a literary musician my whole life, you know, like, and, then there was times where it really didn't matter, you know, and there were other times where I definitely felt like I couldn't express myself. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I knew yeah. it was in my mind, you know, and sometimes like trying to convey, especially to others that knew and understood stuff. Like, I'm like, Oh, like I can't g- give me a few minutes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. whereas other people would be like, they're right there because they had the lessons and things like that. So, yeah, that was one of the things that I always kind of feel like I missed out on too, is just being able to like it, properly explain like no i need it to do this and you're not yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know like, yeah uh, i was, I was like, just play i'll figure it out just play you know yeah yeah but i probably would get there so much faster if i had that foundation you know yeah did did it did bass playing come fast or like i think so because like i i mean i started out like learning how to play stuff so you know i was learning how to play like red hot chili peppers and learning how to play primus songs and stuff like that just because they were fun to play because playing bass by yourself is fucking boring you know and um and i mean and that's that's why like i didn't have the attention span to really sit there and learn scales and learn you know all these things that i really should have done um but to sit there and do that and drill that was just boring i just wanted to play with people you know what i mean so that was like really where i would learn and grow it's just by playing with different people and, and being exposed to different things, you know? Yeah. So, uh, when, uh, when I'm trying to relate this to, I guess, high school years is probably the easiest. When did you start mm-hmm. playing, playing with other people? And, uh... Well, I, I got my first bass on my 16th birthday. So that's always easy to remember. Um, and then, uh, you know, you know, I played with Jim Lehman a lot, you know, yeah. in high school and stuff like that was he and I, like even like in junior high, like we would like, 
fantasize about doing it. You know, be like, oh, someday we're going to have instruments and someday, or we'd be like, yo, so-and-so has a drum set and there's a bass there. You can play it. And there's, well, we had no idea what we're doing, you know, and whatever, but it was just the fact that you could get your hands on something. You know what I mean? So that's, that's definitely where it started was, was doing stuff with Jim and doing like ballad bands at school. Um, which was you know, once a year. That was the only time we played, you know, up until senior year. You know, I played, we played in our band Chine and we stayed in that band like for, for uh, f- probably five years. You know, that was like basically our college years was doing that instead of college, you know? So, yeah. Well, I mean, um, it, it's funny, you know, well, I guess it's not funny. It, it makes total sense, but like I, from high school and those times, like whenever, I think of you musically. I immediately think of Jim as well. Like it, it was almost like a package. Deal oh, we were synonymous. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but I mean, and and it's also funny because like I also remember beside you know. So you're saying you know you get to play those one shows a year, but also knowing like throughout school, it's like, dude, you gotta hear Kevin play bass. He's sick. He's so sick. You know, like and and it, it's funny. You know, you saying about uh, uh, Primus and and uh, the Chili Peppers because it was very much like at that time, like locally, I can't think of any other bass players who were doing more melodic kind of solo bass kind of stuff. Um, did you, did you, could you recognize that at the time that like, Oh, I'm fucking leaps and bounds of, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I mean, maybe not in that respect, you know, because like I, like, again, cause I didn't come from lessons and didn't, I was well aware that I didn't really know what I was doing. You know what I mean? I still kind of feel like that way to an extent, but um, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like a thing that, you know, I would listen to that and say, why aren't, why aren't people doing this more? Like, why is it so exclusive to, you know, the, the primuses and those dudes or like the dudes like, you know, Victor Wooten and those dudes that do like all that crazy shit. It's like really cool by himself. And he does cool stuff, you know, in bands too, whatever. That's not what I'm saying, but it almost seems like exclusive to that stuff. And, um, but it is hard to squeeze that into the rock music and into the things like that, you know what I mean? As opposed to just doing exactly what the guitar is doing, but there's a time and place for that too. So, I, you know, I've yeah. gone through both phases where I, I've, I've played way too much. And then, you know, other times where I had to really learn how to dial it back and, and not be so intrusive because the whole point is to make the song better not to make song about yeah. like you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you feel like you have a good kind of measure on like when to sit back or is it now? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, now that I'm, you know, in my forties finally. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it took a lot, it took a lot to learn that, you know? Um, cause I, you know, I've played in bands where there's just one guitar player and you know, when I was in, with imprint and stuff like, and there was so much room for me to play. It was so easy to, to, to do that without maybe being so over the top. There definitely was times that I was, but um, in that situation, it's, it, it's 10 times easier to do that. And then if you're in a band with two guitar players and they got a lot going on, you really got to step back and, and try to not step on anybody. still because again, you don't want to, your whole purpose is to make the song better. So you just got to figure out the way to do that, you know? Yeah. So, So, um, you know, you, you mentioned Chine, um, which, um, I, I don't know if you remember or not. I, I, you guys came out um, to IUP when I was out there. Fuck yeah, we played and, the uh, rugby house, right? Is that yeah, what it was? Yeah, 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 Fuck yeah, yeah. And um, um, all of I, I remember you guys came out. It was actually very weird. I don't even remember like 
when I found out that you guys were you guys, uh, <laughs> because uh, I had been talking with um, the guys from Wolfpack, and I think that's how Ooh. it all got booked. And, how, and then, like, you guys showed up, and I'm like, the fuck? Like, I know everybody. Yeah, they brought, us, they brought us out there, and we were supposed to play, I don't know, at a place or something. And until they went to shit, and I guess, like, the rugby dudes were like, come fucking play at a rugby house. And yeah. it, was, it was fucking sick, dude. It was awesome. <laughs> that, was a, that was a crazy, crazy weekend. Um, but so um, all, I remember all my friends um, were completely blown away by you guys. And I was like, oh, that's home shit. Like, yeah, I've been hearing, you know, like, I've been telling you. But um, how did you guys, how did Chine come about? Like, how did you guys... We, you know, threw it together, getting ready for a battle of bands, you know, at school. And, uh, you know, Jim, Jim and, and Rick and I were playing together, you know, through school. And, and we had known Harold, the drummer, from previous iterations of Battle of the Bands. He was a couple of years younger than us. So I guess then at that time, he was, he was in high school, too. We were getting ready for that Battle of the Bands. And Ryan, our singer... I, we just saw him at jumpers. Like we would go to jumpers and see dysphoria and soul grind and shit like that all the time. And yeah, I'd see, I'd see this dude going bananas in the pit. And I was like, yo, we should see if that dude can sing. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. he had a, he had a presence there. And, uh, and he, and he had that at shows too, like crazy, you know? So, yeah. Um, I mean, did it, did it click immediately? Um, when you, when you guys finally got together and kind of started working that or, or the, I think it took time to, I think it took time to find, you know, our spot, our thing, you know, I mean, we knew what we wanted to do. We knew we wanted to be heavy as fuck. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And you just kind of got like, you know, we kind of got lumped into the hardcore scene and stuff, which was fine, but we weren't a hardcore band, you know, like, um, and we just, we weren't going to tout ourselves as one, but, that's just kind of where we fell into and played with a lot of really cool, you know, hardcore bands and met a lot of really awesome people in that time, you know? Um, but I think it took us a while to get to where we felt like we were really doing what we should be doing. And when we kind of fizzled out and split up, it's, it's kind of a shame because we really were doing our best stuff. Like at that time, like really felt like we all found it and just kind of, just kind of hit a wall with life and things, you know, at that age in our, yeah. in our lives. So. Yeah. I remember. Um, so like, I, I'm, maybe we can touch on this. Um, how did the whole sugar daddy thing come about? Um, they just approached us. Um, I just, and I didn't, we didn't really know them from anything other than yeah. like, I knew, I knew Matt Clark. Um, just through small world shit, basically. Um, so I knew him on a personal level that way, but, um, they were basically like these dudes that, okay. Yeah. We heard of, uh, bloodhound gang, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. I heard of those dudes, you know, whatever. Um, and we knew they were a split from that, you know, had connections because back then you still got signed, you know right. what I mean? Like that yeah. was still a thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, seeing what connections they had and, I mean, they didn't promise a whole lot, you know, it wasn't like any kind of whatever. We just kind of saw it as a possible step to, you know, to get to something else. And it just never materialized into anything. Yeah. So. Because um, I guess the way I started talking to those dudes was um, we got them on our TV show. I, I was working on a late night TV show in college um, and we started talking that way. And then um, I was actually working on a film uh my freshman into sophomore year of college and um uh they were like let us do the soundtrack and i was like okay 
and um, they wanted to put you guys on there. Mm. Uh, and um, then, like, I failed out of school. I lost all of the equipment and gear and, and crew and everything I had put together. And it just kind of fell by the wayside. And then, like, I think before all of it fell through, I got a copy of um, Product of My Surroundings um, from them. And I remember listening to it and I was like, holy shit, these guys like are fucking killer live, but this is, this is fucking strong. Like, um, and then, you know, and then I guess I, you know, like you were saying life happens and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we, I think we record, we were close to, we were working on a full length with them. Like they were recording us. Uh, yeah. It was, it wasn't coming, it was coming out. Okay. Or whatever. We weren't, you know, really like crazy about it and their shit just kind of fizzled out. And I mean, they were fun at first, you know, and like, um, we had, we had some, we had some fun, like weekend shows with them, you know, like going up there and stuff. But like when I met, when I met those dudes, like the, uh, the main dude was like, he just had a shaved head and just seemed like an ordinary guy. You know what I mean? Like, so like when I, when I see them, those guys now, I'm just like, <laughs> that's not the dudes that I was fucking, you know what I mean? Like talking yeah. to before, like he, they, seemed very ordinary and just you know just whatever and so it was so it was kind of cool and then you know they they got into their whole fucking world or whatever we yeah. were well we were well gone you know by then going our own separate whatever ways so so then uh shortly after that you guys did put that album out right so like yeah we so we did the full length on our own like we so we we recorded um at, at Signal Sound here in, in Quakertown back then, did the initially did the compilation that Mitch Martinez threw together uh, on his label at the time, which was done phenomenally well. Like was that every, the uh, Scream and Be Heard one? Scream or? and Be Heard. Yeah. Oh my god, like, that thing was killer. <laughs> yeah, when when Mitch would would do something like that, he just fucking did it awesome. You know what I mean? It just everything was was just done so well. So that was our our first. Um, time recording there at signal and then we decided to go back there to do the full length uh re-recorded some of those songs um and uh those songs probably weren't as good the second time around you know for whatever reason so it's kind of always been on my radar to like to like put up like a band camp page or something with the chine stuff to put like the compilation session because it was two songs on that and then it was another song from the same session on the seven inch yeah. And like, I always wanted to kind of like put that up on like Bandcamp as like an EP and then take those songs out of the full length and put that up as its own thing. You know what I mean? Cause it's yeah. kind of, it seems more appropriate, but it's just one of those things on your list to do that you just, you know, don't you, get to. You guys had that cassette demo too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was that... 96. Good God. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's pretty crazy. When we fucking recorded that man, like, um, we we went and got the tapes done. We literally went to a place where a fucking dude had this room, and he fucking put all these tapes in these cassettes, and, you know, run I don't know twenty five of them at a time, and you fucking did it in real in real time in the whole bit. Like we're just and there, yeah, man, for hours getting those tapes done. Like so, you sent them somewhere to get printed, and you took those printed ones to this dude, and he popped them all in and did it. Like it was much different world, you know. That's crazy. I mean, like yeah. the, the amount of effort to do what now is just like, oh, I just oh my not- God. It's like, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine having that access to that stuff now? You know, like 
with the stuff you were doing then, it's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely insane. Um, so you guys, it, before you broke up, you played Warp Tour, right? Yeah, that was like one of the last big things we did. So Ryan, um, he um, he worked for he did work for Warp Warp Tour. Like he, um, I don't know if he was driving or if he was doing stage stuff or maybe both. I can't remember. But he did that for quite a few years, actually. Um, so within doing that, he got us hooked up with the Philly show. And then the plan was for the next year to be on the whole tour. Um, but that, that never came to fruition. So oh, it's a bummer. That yeah. is definitely yeah. a bummer. That would have been killer. I, one of my uh, favorite memories of life, oddly, is um, I don't know if you remember that, that weekend trip to West Virginia um, at that weird campground. Um, it was like, Oh my God. Yeah. You, you, you were, you were, you were there. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. <laughs> I still, I still tell stories about, about that, about that fucking weekend. Like that was like the most surreal experience in my entire life. Just like, you just couldn't believe that it existed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just that, that uh, we still tell the story of, shirtless dude comes up to our spot you know you had we, you know, a campfire or whatever we we're just fucking hanging out and you know, had our little gathering area and dude comes up no shirt long greasy ass hair hold the fucking aluminum bat and he just comes up and says i'll fucking hit myself in the head with this bat and so we're like all right do it he's just like pong like do it again pong do it again pong. he did it like five we did it like five six times so he's done, and we say, what's your name, man? And he goes, Bubba. And it was just like, I was like, where the fuck am I? Like, what is going on? Like, it's just, it was so fucking bizarre, but it was it was quite the experience, to say the least. It, it was easily one of the weirdest shows I've ever been at in my life. Absolutely. In the middle of nowhere and just heavily populated. Like, it was so bizarre. It really was. It really was crazy. Because we went up there a couple times, like, even before that, we played at that Common Grounds place, it was called. And those shows were insane. Like, those were, like, that was the most fun we had with travel with those guys. You go down yeah. there, and the place was fucking packed. They thought you were the greatest fucking band they ever saw. You know what I mean? So it was just, it was a blast. Like it was, it was cool. And then, we, and then we went there and it was like, <laughs> we probably should never come back here. <laughs> I still, weirdest thing in, in, I remember from that um, was so um, for anybody who wasn't there, which is I'm sure everybody listening, but uh, we, we all camped there. And yeah. uh, like, I remember there was like someone driving around on a dirt bike, like pitch black at night. And like one of the guys that we were hanging out with was like, um, oh, that's just a little Kawasaki. I'll knock him off that and take his bike. And I was like, where are we? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, what's going on? Like, it was yeah. fucking crazy. Like, it's the like, people were just uh, lighting off. I remember people were lighting off like little, just little firecrackers or something. And you just, it was in the middle of the night, you just hear it. Bang, and you just hear some dude go, "You ain't shit." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was it was wild. There's a lot more about that that I shouldn't say. Yeah, on yeah. This, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tr very true, very true. So, um, I, in doing this, I've been. Um, it, it's weird interviewing like uh, people that I know because, like, I, I know people, but I'm like, oh wait, there's like big, huge gaps of things I have to fill in. Um, and, but I came across a uh, comment on a on a YouTube video um, from maybe like two or three years ago that said you guys were working on new material. 
did that did anything oh, shine yeah um yeah we kind of were so like um we um uh, so uh um mark stokey uh friend was a friend of mine and uh he when he was much younger he used to come to um harold's house and watch his practice and stuff. And he was just like, just like this young kid. I don't know if he lived in the neighborhood or what. I think his mom dropped him off. I don't know where the hell he came from, but he would always come to, to watch us and be like, where'd this kid come? You know, whatever. So then years later, you know, he was, he was really huge, you know, person in the hardcore scene in Lansdale stuff. And, and we reconnected when I was playing with Leavenworth and uh, just good friend, you know, just someone that I knew for a long time. So, uh, another really good friend, Dave Heck, was having a, a, a benefit slash tribute after Mark had died. Um, so we were going to get together and play for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just weird because, like, uh, we, we couldn't all do it. You know, like, Jim wasn't around. So then uh, uh, we were, we were going to have uh, Matt Buckley play guitar with us, who played guitar with me and, and Drop Anchor and many other things um so we we started playing a little bit and like you know ryan was going to come in from california for it the whole bit um and then uh and that was when harold got sick so it kind of you know threw all that by the wayside but we were that was kind of one of ryan's stipulations was like yeah i'll do it if we fucking write three new songs so we're like okay you know like sure yeah. in fact i think he may have wanted to do all new stuff and we're like we can't do that dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, he got he got to play some stuff or whatever so uh we were it was it was it was cool that for a few weeks when we were rehearsing and then you know things happened so uh it never got to really yeah. come to fruition um so after chine imprint comes next or yeah so um yeah, in fact, that was uh, Harold. Harold was doing that before I was, um, and uh, at the time, I think I think I hadn't played for like a year. Um, before that, I was I was seriously talking to talking to this band called Neck out of New York, and I was going to go up there and and join them and, and do stuff like really really awesome, crazy, heavy shit, whatever. They. Uh, they turned into a uh, band called Car Bomb, and uh, I saw them play with uh, Dillinger Escape Plan a couple of years ago, whatever. But uh, but yeah, that didn't happen. And so at the time, I hadn't been playing for like a year, and uh, Harold ended up with, with those guys in a kind of different iteration. And uh, so I was kind of like, well, if you ever you know need somebody, and uh, so they kind of shuffled shuffled their deck and whatever, and then I ended up going and play bass for imprint and matt johnson whose song was playing guitar and he he went to just sing or excuse me he was playing bass and went to just singing because he'd rather do that and then it was just the four of us and we carried on his imprint stopped once or twice and in fact we were playing a few years back we were we were playing quite a bit working on a really big slew of 90s covers like we were learning faith no more songs and helmet songs and fucking Snapcase and like all this shit like we were like it was just fun and easy like you go to practice and learn like three rage songs and yeah. you know so we were gonna just you know sprinkle in our 
original shit or whatever, but just go play a show. We play just 90 stuff, you know, all the stuff that we listened to in high school and shit. Yeah. So, um, that kind of came to a halt too. So, yeah. So, um, what, what kind of, was that more, um, kind of Lansdale shows or did that, did you, uh... it was, yeah. So imprint was imprint. We played, um, we played at, at the time Molliteers a lot when it was Molliteers. That was probably one of our first spots. So we played out at like different spots all over, but we really settled in at the, uh, at the pizza pub when it was okay. still over on 40 foot. Like that was our spot. Like it, that place was just packed with people whenever we played there. It was, and that was like, I don't know, mid to late twenties, I guess. So that was when, that was when you still went out, you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. And whatever. So we did a lot of that. And then we did a lot. It, we did a bunch of places in Philly, but the biggest thing was actually the, the new Grape Street when Grape Street was on like Main Street. Yeah. When they were there, um, we did a lot of shows there. Um, Cause I basically got to the point where the dude would just give me a date, let me bring the rest of the bands in. And we just, we had the whole night and the place, it would be packed. And it was cool there too, because like it was in a happening spot at Manny Young. Like we even had like, we would have our own crowd, but then the place had its built-in crowd. Like you'd see a, a bus of like a bachelorette party roll up and go, and not that you know they ever yeah. uh, bought a CD or something, but right. still, it just you know you'd see those types of crowds. It's just a totally packed place like that. It was it was it was cool. Like that was definitely the peak, you know, yeah. of those times. Yeah, that was um, that was like a really. I really thought that place was going to stick around and kind of work, but I. Don't it was know. so great! It yeah. was so great. Like people were like, "Oh, the guy in the old place." Like we played there too, like before they moved back. And yes, like that. It, it's cool history, the whole nine yards. Yeah. But the setup of that other place, I don't know. I don't know who screwed that up, but it, when there was definitely a point when we were when we would play, at, and not only when we would play, I just mean at that time. That place was bumping every night. Yeah. You know? So yeah. yeah, it was great. I um I played um that room and the small I played the small room a lot acoustic. Yeah. Um and we like, did both. Imprint would do both. We would do in the same night we'd do the small room and then oh, we'd really? do another Yeah, it was so fun. Like it was just so cool doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a great place. Um yeah. so so what happened there? Did that how did that kind of So we we fizzled in and out here and there and then uh when we ended that, uh, the, the natural progression was it to drop anchor. Yeah. Uh, so then, you know, Matt Buckley joined us who had recorded us. He'd done our last two records. The other one that we haven't released yet. Um, but, and, and Brad and I had played with him and other, you know, whatever bands. So it was a real natural thing for me, Brad Buckley and Harold to start playing. And then Matt and I, Matt Buckley and I started doing the vocals just basically because we didn't want to deal with finding a singer. We're like, you know, let's just do it ourselves. And we did a lot of bouncing back and forth. I mean, we put out a bunch of records. So it was probably, I don't know, three or four records like that until finally like the last two. You know, Matt was just like, yo, you, you fucking sing. And, and he, you know, I'll do backups and everything, whatever, but just, you, you know, you do it, whatever. And at that time, uh, this was after Chine played its last show, like a few years back, like way back when, because we tuned to like uh, A sharp, <laughs> and uh, and so the one time we went to drop anchor practice, it was like, yo, check out, 
you know, chime tuning and we're just like, try. So that's whatever. And so <laughs> when we started at that point writing songs in A sharp, that's when I was doing the singing for, you know, full time. And that was like our last two, two records were, were like that. Yeah. Uh, it's great stuff. You know, like um, it, it, the thing I like about it is, um, and that, this isn't to say one's better than the other, but I feel like you guys um, got very melodic, um, especially towards like the, the last album there. Um, was that like kind of a planned growth or is that just kind of what happened from playing with each other? I, or from I think that away? was, yeah, I think that was definitely a natural growth um, and just continuing to get more and more comfortable, especially for me, like, like when we, we did Pulverize, I was like, okay, like some of it I really liked. And then when we released Sierra, it's like, it was like the first time I felt like, yeah, I'm singing, you know what I mean? Instead of being like, well, I'm just kind of doing it, you know, always kind of like just doing it be to be the guy to do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not yeah. for whatever. And like, that was like the first time I felt like, okay, I'm fucking, yeah, I'm doing this. And I felt like I owned it, you know what I mean? And whatever. Um, and and even before anything happened, we kind of feel, we started to kind of fizzle out like on its own. It's just it's so weird, but how that stuff happens, you know what I mean? Because it's like we released that little EP, and it was great. We released a video, it was like really good, and like everything, whatever. And then we were just kind of like, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just like, Is that the the one that Mitch directed, or uh... no? This was oh. the second one. So the one Mitch did was. Um, called always tempting fate and that was like had like the cool story and everything and then we did one for inferno off uh, sierra and that's literally just like us playing like that's what the whole video is us playing in like a room in fact yeah. it's the warehouse it's the warehouse of my bit uh where i work so oh really? <laughs> uh, yeah because it was like you both videos were shot there for playing because it was like does anybody have a you know a big space and i'm like well was, use my warehouse you know just move yeah. a few things and you have a wide open space so it's just funny that both videos were shot there so that's cool yeah i, I actually uh, just caught that video for the first time i'd seen the the mitch one when it came out but um the which is so one. cool like he oh did, again God. like he does such a great job with stuff you know yeah uh, i mean like and uh, easily could be on any music channel or anything like Absolutely. I mean, just seamless seamless it looks so professional and it, it was, and it was such, and it was a very professional experience too, like filming and stuff. And even the second one, um, you know, and you're doing stuff over and over again and, and whatever, it's just as like annoying as mixing a record or something, but it's just cool. And it's just fun. Like that the process is cool. Cause especially, you know, consider you're going to work two days later, you know what I mean? Right. But you're yeah. in that moment, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of living that or whatever. So it's funny though, like, because like, especially when we did the um, Inferno one, I'm like, well, I'm just going to sing. Cause it's like, you know, you're, you're playing the track as loud as you can. Cause it's gotta be louder than the drums. Obviously he's got to actually do it. You actually know hit I mean? it yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I can't imagine faking it. So like I, I sang through it, like I think twice and then couldn't talk anymore. So the rest of it, I was like, you know, you're literally like faking. It's very, that, that part of it is strange. You're just like, you're, you're lip syncing yourself, you know, it's yeah. really fucking, it's really fucking bizarre, but it's, it's a fun experience. That's crazy. Um, before you guys broke up, you or uh, fizzled out. You got to open for the Deftones. How did that, how did that come about? That's a pretty cool story. Uh, so, uh, this was, um, 
back in I mean, 2011 or something. I don't know. Um, so I'm literally on vacation with my family in Cape Cod where we go every, we go every year, Cape Codders. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> so we, we, we go there every year. Um, and, uh, gosh, I think this was only like our second year at the time, um, there. And, uh, I'm literally like, uh, so we camp. So I'm, I'm digging trenches because it's raining and I'm trying to divert water from our campsite and, and my phone is blown up. And, uh, and someone's, I can't even remember. Someone's calling me saying, uh, so-and-so said on Facebook that, uh, uh, they need an opener for Deftones at, uh, you know, House of Blues, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they, they, they want one of you guys to contact them. Or I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, yeah. you've heard that song dance how many times. So I, I call up Matt Buckley. I'm like, dude, so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. I'm on vacation. Can you look into this, please? You know, at least, you know, see it through. And uh, he calls me back maybe an hour or two later. He's like, yeah, it's real. And, I'm, and it's like, <laughs> it's the next day. And I'm like, fuck, I'm like, you serious? I'm, you know, I'm eight hours away, blah, blah, blah. It's in Atlantic City. At the time, we hadn't played. I mean, even just from besides being on vacation, we hadn't played for like two or three weeks, just happenstance, whatever. And uh, I was like, fuck. And so at the time, our really close friends were also in Cape Cod. And my, my buddy at that time, his job was truck driving overnight. Like he did third shift driving truck. He's like, let's go. I'll drive. It's like a night of work for me. Like I'm totally used to that. It's like, let's just fucking do it. So like, all right, we're doing it. So I'd fucking tell him all like, okay, get this from Harold's house for me. Blah, blah, blah. I need this. I need that. Da, da, da. And uh, we drive me and my, me and my buddy, we drive all the way down to fucking Atlantic city from Cape Cod. And uh, we get there, and uh, um, you know they take you through the showboat. I think mean, that's where the House of Blues was the showboat, right? Yeah, it sounds right. Um, yeah, and uh, they take you through the back. And excuse me, one second, I'm going to make this. Stuff. Yeah, you can edit that, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm leaving it in, buddy. Anyway, they walk you through the joint. Like, you know, it's like you're fucking Henry Hill and uh, taking Karen <laughs> through the play. You know, and you're all through, through the, the back. Yeah back shit and everything and we get there and their and their tour managers like oh thanks you know thanks for being able to do this last minute you know and i'm just like oh yeah sure i'm like yeah no problem man like and uh everybody meets there and like you guys are gonna have an hour sound check you know like oh, perfect we can you know we can run through everything and and then uh they were doing a meet and greet like with you know like a vip package type shits which took our entire time and we ended up having oh, no. I, think, I think we ended up having three minutes to sound check. So we were like, okay, let's run through every part we can fucking think of and you know Okay, done. Like everything sounds incredible like incredible. I mean you talk about like monitors or whatever. I'm like, that was the first time like I, I was ever really able to hear myself like sing and play, like and to the point where it was almost as if you had headphones on, you know what I mean? Yeah because of the quality or whatever, but it was just like, yeah, set up, play that. And, uh, that was that. And then, so we had this, obviously come off stage and let everybody in and like, you're on at blah, blah, blah time. And as soon as that time hit, you know, the lights go out, we fucking walk out. Like everybody goes bananas. Like 
no idea who the fuck <laughs> we are, you know? And uh, it was cool because, like, you know, when you go see a band, man, it's like and you see the band walk out on stage like that. I'm like, man, I just want to do that one time. Because it's like, I'm not going to do that at the fucking bar. I'm not going to set up my shit, put it down and walk off and come on. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. to actually do that one time was, was pretty fucking cool. Um, yeah, it was just total fluke shit. Somebody, somebody saw, and my friend Sam saw that he knew the booker there. And at that time, um, it was a small tour, uh, for diamond eyes and they're about to go to Europe right after that. So it was a small tour. So they didn't have an opener. So they were letting everybody book locals and whoever had that bailed. Uh. So they were scrambling to fill it with somebody local. And they're like, we don't want hardcore. We don't want, we don't want a hardcore band. We don't want a metal band. And, and my friend Sam sent it to the booker, like, check these guys out. And he's like, have them call me. And that's, that was, that was that. So that's awesome. I hope you bought him beer. Uh, for <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We, we make sure he was there and, uh, you know, uh, it got, it had a primo view and the whole bit. Uh, it was cool though. My biggest fear though, cause like they're one of my favorite bands. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to go and they're going to be, dicks and it's gonna ruin yeah it's gonna ruin it for the rest of my life and they were all awesome as shit like that's good so like ordinary and you know what i mean like like, shooting the shit with them backstage was like no different than than the show great street was you know what i mean talking to some band i didn't know so it was pretty cool that's awesome. Yeah, that's the the worst is meeting meeting a hero and finding out they suck. Like yeah, yeah. and it's like totally ruined and I was just mad because like I I I never did, like, I never got a picture or nothing. I was never like, hey, can we get little bugs? I was like, I just wanted to be cool. So, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, I just wanted to act like I, I'd been there before. Um, and, I, and I do feel like I did that almost too much because I should have at least, you know, fucking gotten a picture or something, you know? But, yeah. But whatever. It was that's cool. Right. It was, it was got, a dream for a day, you know? Yeah. You got the memory. That's, that's the important Absolutely. thing there, dude. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's the important thing. So uh, now um, you just said you came from practice. So what, what, what do you got working on now? So I just came from uh, my bluegrass band. Oh, three beards uh, in a bush. Yeah. Three beards in a bush, um, which has been such a cool experience. And we actually, I actually just hit a year with them um, not too long ago. Um, and it's as far as an experience for learning and stuff, cause you know, they, you know, they're all like, Oh, it's CD and they're just, and they're just playing. Um, and I'm like, what? Uh, so, so this is like the most I've ever come to, you know, this closest I've been to, to doing that sort of thing. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm doing the notes instead of like three, five, oh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. doing tabs, like this is like the most, uh, legit I've been as far as that goes. And it's been really cool because, you know, as a player, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not hiding behind distortion and fuzz and blah, 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 blah. I'm just, I'm playing an acoustic bass, not an upright, but just an acoustic bass guitar. Um, so from playing, playing, I'm really excited to play electric music again because my playing physically is so much better from playing all that clean stuff you know what yeah I mean? that's exactly what i was going to say have you found that your your playing style has adapted um from yeah the- yeah for sure and and to the point where i like again sometimes i feel like shit am i not like bluegrassy enough because i don't i don't know that stuff from whatever i mean you know they could tell like we do some you know more classic bluegrass type stuff you know whatever traditional whatever you want to call it 
Um, and then, you know, Tracy writes a lot of originals too. And I'm like, she could tell me they were all original. I wouldn't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, but sometimes I try to get more bluegrassy and other times it's just, it just lends to, for me to play like me, you know, especially yeah. cause we'll cover like rancid and Ramones and, you know, uh, pop songs and eighties. And like, we're, we're really doing a lot of like shit people would know, you know, and, and enjoy seeing out and, and seeing a, you know, bluegrass version of, of yeah. something like that. And, and it's really fun to, to take a song and turn it into that. You know what I mean? So it's been, it's been really cool. Um, and, and definitely like, as far as like clicking and getting in with a band and, and getting along with everybody, it was just like the fastest experience of my life to where I was just like, I love these people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like very, very quickly. It was just, it's been really cool. It's been awesome, but I do miss loud shit. shit yeah <laughs> i yeah. bet i bet um are you guys playing out like i know the pandemic we were fucked everything yeah. up but um it really yeah. did and and i wish we i wish we had done more like streaming and stuff and obviously we still could but i wish we'd kind of jumped on that boat but uh we were just talking about tonight like man we really need to play out but it's like oh, i really want to but yeah. we were we were just getting into it and like our, our biggest show was probably at well-crafted at Lansdale and, and uh great spot and great beers there, you know? Yeah. Um, so we were really hoping to make that like home, you know, and then yeah, everything, everything happened. So yeah. I think eventually we'll get back there. Yeah. I am t- playing out right now. is so weird. Like I have a, I have a gig coming up on uh, Sunday. I'm playing outdoors at Tex-Mex and like, it's so weird because I want to promote it because obviously that's what they want, but equally so I'm like, just stay home. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, you almost, <laughs> yeah. You almost feel weird suggesting someone go somewhere. Yeah. 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 Like, so, like guilt. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is why um, I've been streaming those sets because I'm just like, Hey, you don't have to come. Plus, you, right. you know, like I'd rather <laughs> you not, but yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. Like I think about for myself, I'm like, and like even, like even well-crafted was having people outside and I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool to do. And then I'm like, I just feel like it's just not time yet. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. yeah no, 100%, 100%. Yeah. Well, um, I would love to put you through the jauntlet um, at this point, which is um, our standard little thing that we do here on this show. Um, the first uh, few questions are just little one hitters and then we go through a top 10. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Let's see how you do. We'll start with the one hit wonders. One hit wonder number one, Hagar or Roth? Hagar or Roth? I got to go Roth just because, like, you know, that that's my first, you know, you leave a hot teacher and, like, shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that shit was just so badass. And, like, and, and even that one in general, you know what I mean? Like, you, you think about that guitar lick and we sing it over that. And it's, like, so, like, either he just got really, really lucky or... <laughs> You know what I mean? Or he was, you know, really ahead of something there. You know what I mean? So I, but I, I can appreciate yeah. Hagar too. There's, you know. there's, there's great Hagar songs. His, yeah. hits, his hits are undeniable. You know what I mean? It's just. The yeah. Roth stuff just has such energy to it. That's just. Yeah, man. It's, yeah. But I think they're one of the few bands that, that have managed to, you know, do the second singer thing and, 
that's not easy to do. Yeah, it's like them and ACDC, you know? Like it's, right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, that's a real tough, that's a tough thing. Um, one hit wonder number two, Biggie or Pac? That's hard. <laughs> I'd probably go Pac. I just, I enjoy listening to him more. Yeah. Both, both were very late for me. You know what I mean? Like I, when, when they were out, I was not really into them. Um, it just wasn't my bag. I mean, I like Tupac in the movies and stuff, you know, yes. and, and, you know, whatnot. I was juice. Was that, was that the, was yeah. that his like first, like that was cool. You know what I mean? But, uh, Biggie, I appreciate, you know, I definitely, um, that's yeah, tough because it's not it's not a big one for me. So yeah, all right. right on. Um, number three, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? That's Nirvana for me because I mean Pearl Jam with the longevity, um, which obviously circumstance changes that, sure, but sure. Um, they're still at it and incredible following and all that stuff. Um, but uh, I think even even when I rewind to Nirvana, it's more like like ten was ape shit. Obviously, of course, you know what I mean. And um, but I didn't really hang on to them much after that, you know. Like verse uh, verses was next, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, you know, I I, I like some of that, and I still like some of their new stuff. Every once in a while, they have a song that I really like. Like even you know a single that I really like, whatever, but, uh, I appreciate it, but it just never grabbed me like, like Nirvana did. And, and even like, for me, it's in utero, you know what I mean? Like, obviously like, I waited, never mind. And I, I got into bleach, you know what yeah. I mean? After that, but in utero, like almost bums me out because there wasn't a follow up to that. You know yeah. what I mean? I was like, well, I want to hear what was after What's next? that. Yeah. And that's, that's when I get bummed out. Yeah. I, oh, I definitely feel it, man. I definitely mm -hmm. feel it. Um, number four, Beatles or Stones? Beatles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, easy. Follow up favorite Beatle. I guess that I, I gotta go Paul cause of the, cause of the, cause of the bass, you know, uh, yeah. but he's just, he's just cool. He's way more chill. I mean, Lennon's cool. He, he got weird, you know, and, you know, he lended it up and, uh, and, and that's not to discredit any, any of the others, but yeah. you know, even, even Ringo, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Paul's just cool. You know, yeah. he's, he's, he's the coolest one. Yeah. Final one hit wonder. And this one, it, it's a little tough, um, for, um, reasons outside of the one versus the other, but, um, Prince or Michael Jackson. I'm going to go Prince because he just, he's way more badass. And uh, I would say probably did more of his stuff himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he, he totally fucking shreds. You know what I mean? He's such an underrated guitar player, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, it just, his stuff was a little more impactful. I mean, you know, Michael Jackson was larger than life and, and whatever and all that stuff. Everybody, you know, it was, as a kid, you know, I remember going to the mall and, and getting Michael Jackson buttons to put on your fucking jacket. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had that, you had to have that shit. 
but you can look back at Prince's stuff, especially now, and it's like it's still bad as fuck, you know? So. Yeah, it definitely goes. I love it. All right. So now this is the top 10 countdown. This is, um, I, I use the word John freely as everybody in this area uses the word John freely. So allow it to mean anything you want it to. It can be music. It can be anything. So uh, just use John as a descriptor for everything. But uh, number one of the top 10 countdown, what was your first John? What was the first thing you found yourself obsessed about as a kid? Hmm. Probably, hmm, I don't know. There could be shit I'm forgetting, but I feel like when I really was like locked into something, it was the cure. Like I was like, yo, because I mean, by then it was, you know, they had so many, you look at their catalog, you know, up until what, 89 when Disintegration came out and like all the stuff before that is so different. So it was like, you really could get lost in so much, you know, so many moods and so many, you know, whatever that that was that was because i was young too so and it wasn't just oh i'm depressed i listened to the cure you know right, I mean, it was yeah. like they they're way more you know dynamic than that like that's such a cliche so um i think that was probably my first like that, that's kind of what started it all for me for music so yeah all right number two what's your current john what are you loving right now fucking hum record okay all right did I love you it. listen to that i heard a little bit um i haven't been able to sit down I, my 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 uh music has been um completely overtaken by i don't know if, have you heard idols no okay so they just released this album ultra mono and um it's fucking awesome like it's 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 really a great it's really a great they refer to it as aggressive love <laughs> it's okay. Like, it's like really hard, but he's like um kind of just like um love each other and stuff like it's yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to check cool. that out. No, that that hum record, I mean just the sound and like the bigness of it, like especially even just like that first track, I was like, Holy fuck and like I only really know them from like stars and stuff, you know, yeah. you know that song, whatever and uh but i was just like wow, like really but as far as like a band I kinda got lost in more recently, like as you know, going back in their back catalog is uh, Le Butcherettes. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but no. they're like, um, so the, they're from Mexico um, and like Texas. And uh, I saw them open for Faith No More at the Electric Factory like way back when. And I think at the time there's just three piece and this gal, she plays guitar and, and keyboards and stuff. And she was just fucking badass. And it was very interesting. And I was like, wow, this, it was like one of those things I was like, where you're actually interested in the opening band instead of yeah. being like, you get the fuck out of here. Um, so I was like, wow. And then like, I never looked them up. Like I was like, I meant to, and just never did. And then a couple years later, I saw them open uh, for at the drive-in when at the drive-in came back around. I'm like, Oh, that that's that fucking band. That's that, that's that gal, you know? And, uh, and whatever. And again, same thing. I didn't check them out. And then it popped up on like, I don't know, a playlist or something or whatever. And I heard them, newer song and it just it got me going down a tangent of like their other music and it was definitely one of those ones like fuck i wish i checked it out then you know what i mean especially my wife and i went to see them you know last year and it was like uh it was fantastic like one of yeah. the best shows i've seen in a while and i'm like man i missed out on all that time you know what i mean yeah. like 
I hate when you discover stuff a little too late. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's, it's too familiar anymore, man. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm finding all kinds of stuff that I just completely either overlooked or like, was like, I'm not listening to that. And then like, yeah. I, you know, I can hear it and it's, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, you, you fall into things. You're like, how the fuck did I miss this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number three, what was the first concert you ever went to? Hall of Oates, second grade. Yeah, man, that's <laughs> awesome. That's a good one. Yeah, my, my parents took the whole family, whatever, and that that definitely left an impression. Like seeing seeing that in person, it was just like, whoa, this is the craziest thing ever. You know, that's awesome. Where was that show at? Spectrum. Yeah, nice. I like it. Yeah. Uh, number four. What was your last concert? Hmm. I wonder if it was that Le Boucherette show at, at Hard Rock. <sighs> I can't remember because of COVID. Yeah. I was supposed to, I was supposed to see Deftones. Uh, or maybe it was, maybe it was Cave In. I saw Cave In at uh, at the TLA, and that was like a really surreal experience too. Because uh, their their bass player died like a couple of years ago in, in a car crash. And as far as like playing like uh, rock music, he's definitely like one of my biggest like influences. And uh, he had he had died, you know, tragically or whatever. And they had released like they demoed a bunch of shit, and while, while he was still alive, so they recorded vocals on that and released it. And it's really cool. It's all like kind of lo-fi sounding because it was literally demos, you know. And they yeah. whatever. It's not really cool. So they toured with another guy playing bass that they were all in like bands together in one iteration or another. So it was like one of those things where it like made total sense for this dude to tour with them. And it was just fantastic. And he was fantastic. And it was just like, it was really, really freaking cool. It was just like, so it's one of those things you didn't think you would see, you know what I mean? And yeah. And it, and it was, it was awesome. And then my wife and I went, it was like rando weeknight or something. We almost didn't go. And then we finally went and we went to gyms afterwards and the whole nine yards. And it was just, it was a really cool night. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, number five, what is uh, the, f- your favorite concert you ever went to? Wow. Damn. That's, that's really hard. Uh, Cause I've been to, I've been to so, so many. Probably like if you just want to talk about impressions and just like I can't believe I saw that. Well, it's probably too obviously Nirvana, but uh, yeah, I saw Nirvana after uh, in utero. Um, oh shit! But uh, which was amazing, absolutely amazing. Pat Smear was already with them at the time, and it was it was just phenomenal. Um, but probably biggest like hindsight thing was probably Palooza '93. Okay, Alice in Chains. And Primus and shit, because I definitely seen Lane and Lane when he was still like healthy, you know, somewhat and whatnot, yeah. and like really had it. Um, it. That's definitely one of those things I'm so glad I saw. But there's there's so many like you can you can list of like, oh shit, I never thought I would see this, you know, like yeah, I could go I could go on and on. I don't know how much time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, number six. Uh, who have you never seen live that you always wanted to alive or dead? Well, in talking about that, it made me realize I don't think I ever saw Soundgarden, and that kind of pisses me off. Yeah, that I I, I was bombed 
they did uh, well it wasn't Soundgarden. it was um they did that temple of the dog reunion tour oh wow right right before cornell died um and i had like a conflict that night and i was like "Ah, i can't go but maybe maybe this will they'll do something else and then yeah yeah i mean that's an easy one that sticks out There's, there's probably others if i tried really hard um I've definitely been lucky to see some of the ones I've seen, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the first thing about my head. All right. No, it's a good one. Number seven, uh, name an unappreciated John, something you wish got more love. Oh my God. That's wow. <laughs> uh, what is underappreciated? This sucks. This is this is like total record store question. You know, like you go yeah. to the fucking record store, like I don't know what I fucking want, and you just, <laughs> you know, what I mean, you just aimlessly look around, and and we're gonna, I'm gonna be like in the shower later, and be like, fuck, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. <laughs> what is underappreciated right now? Uh, well, that's easy. Uh, underappreciated right now is kindness. I mean, I love it's, it. It's just unbelievable how cool it is to be an asshole right now and i mean there's something to be said for being you know a funny asshole and just yeah, being whatever sure. um but it is it nowadays and you know the what and why is irrelevant but we've definitely allowed ourselves to really be cool with being a piece of shit and that sucks so I 100% agree. Like um, I've I've been telling people that's kind of why I started like this became like this project, like kind of grew out of me just wanting to start a website where I just talked about shit. I liked. that's all I wanted, but now like, you know, being able to talk to other people and just hear like, I just want to hear like good, like, fucking just this, these are things i like not something i hate not something right, you know, right, like something yeah. like you know and and it's great to just hear people like kind of gush about you know the things they like instead yeah. of fucking just shitting on everything you know like well that's the thing it's so easy to do you know it's it's psychologically it's so easy to stand on the other side of something and say well i'm, I'm against that uh there, there's not a lot of risk there and the risk is is actually being for something, and and that's what people struggle with doing. I think, you know. Yeah, fucking a. Well said. Well said. Uh, number eight favorite album. Is uh, can we go to commercial break or? <laughs> I'm mean, gonna cheat and look at my phone, see if something pops in my head. Yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna take a look. Uh, Mr. Bungle, California. Oh, excellent choice. Excellent that's, choice. That's, that's definitely one that's like entrenched, you know. Like as I sit here on my my bar that just survived the latest uh, dumpster purge that we just completed. I used to have this in my apartment and there'd been many a nights where we would fucking sing that entire record, you know, and just sit here and drink and, and, and listen to that record. So awesome. that's, that's definitely one that's ingrained. Yeah. Respect. Uh, number nine, name an artist whose output you'll consume anything they release and even apologize for it. If it's, if it's not good. I don't know if there is anyone anymore. I mean, it probably, you know, it probably would be um, Mike Patton or Chino. Um, 
But like even even both of those guys, like I, there's probably stuff I still haven't heard anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's just I just don't keep up like I used yeah. to. There's you so know? much. There's so much content. It's so hard. It's to so learn. yeah, it's so hard. And uh, but yeah, Patton's probably a better example of that because it's like there's stuff that's not good. But you know, you just be like, yeah, well, you don't really get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Final one. Tenth, uh, John, what is your favorite John of all time? Can be anything. Mm, I guess just, uh, I, I mean, it's really, you, you can take the easy way out and just say love because it's like, it's almost like John in a sense, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you think about it, you think about all the things that you love. Like I love going to the Cape and I love playing and I love my kids and I love my family and I love my, you know what I mean? And all these things. So that feeling that you get, you know, of love for people, for doing, for playing, for, you know, whatever, um, you know, that allows me to include a lot of things, yeah. you know? No, so. I think it's an honest, respectable answer. I love it. Um, so if anybody listening wants to find, uh, anything you're working on or anything you got out there, uh, what can they search on the internet to track you down? Well, they definitely can find, uh, three beards in a bush on the Facebooks and the Instagrams. Um, we haven't been posting a lot of content recently, but that's going to change. We haven't really been playing much, but, um, that's definitely one, uh, cool thing about playing that kind of stuff. I mean, we literally play on Tracy's porch. And it's like, you can just set up the phone and you have a video, you know, it's not like our fucking crazy rock shit where it's such a to do to do anything with it. Right. Um, it's really easy to do that. And we plan on getting back to doing that, especially as we learn more songs and write more songs. Um, but uh, eventually I'll eventually be releasing something with imprint. Uh, oh, nice. stuff, yeah. Stuff that we never finished. And then I kind of, we have a studio project that, God, it's up to almost two years now. Um, that was uh, some of us from, well, it's basically like Imprint and Drop Anchor mostly together. And uh, our buddy Jace from All Right Jr. Did, uh, is going to do vocals on it. And it's just kind of one of those long, grueling things that I don't even know if we're ever going to finish this fucking thing. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I hope to get it out. I hope people get to hear it. Um, and, you know, then eventually uh, be doing more rock music, just nothing to formally say yet, but yeah. some, some shit in the works. So. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, before I do let you go, I have to say one last thing. Mm. Um, we're 0 and 2, right? Or, or, right? Or 0 and 2 and 1, right? 0 and now. 2 and 1. Yeah, I, I, I don't even want to pretend that exists. Uh, do you think the Eagles can salvage this season? Only because I, I will say yes, only because the division is so fucking horrendous. I mean, yeah. we could be in first at the end of this week or after this week, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's mathematically possible. So you consider that it's ridiculous, but I mean, you've seen crazier shit happen um, and stuff, but there's, and take the quarterback out. I, I, you can have Joe Montana. I don't care. Like everybody wants to fucking whatever. Okay, fine. Get rid of Wentz. Uh, that's great. I think whoever it is, they're going to get fucking annihilated right now. Yeah. And you look at the, you look at the, uh, the personnel that's being put together and, and the scheme and the coaching that that's being done right now. 
I don't care who it is. It could be prime Tom Brady. It could be fucking Joe Montana. We would be losing games. They, so. set, they settled for a tie. Like that's, that's yeah, that's, it's they unreal. Settled I, for a tie. It's unreal. But it, at the same time, though, it's a it's the kind of thing where it's like they could not lose the rest of the year, and it wouldn't right. surprise me. Or they could not win all year. And dude, I said. I said after they won the Super Bowl, like, I'll, I'll give them the benefit. They can do whatever they want for at least another two years or so, and then I'll start to get Yeah, again, but- I'm, I'm, I'm already over it because it's like you got to do better. It's like you can't, you can't draft a, a quarterback in the second round <laughs> if you invested all this in this other guy. You know what I mean? Because it's like yeah. you, you're not helping him with that. So then – so that's stupid. So then if you're saying you don't believe in this quarterback and you're saying it's time to move on, then you're a fucking moron. You just signed him last year. That's right. So you're, that's right. you're just – either way, you're telling me you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, 100% makes sense. Kevin, yeah. I want to thank you for joining me. Thanks for uh, having me. That was fucking awesome. That's yeah, awesome. That was a blast. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I have been uh, you know looking forward to this because uh, it's been a while. And I'm Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, uh, I'm going to end this recording and then we can chat a little bit real quick. But um, okay, cool. All right, all right dude. Cool. Big thanks again to Kevin Mooney for sitting and talking to me today. You can find Three Beards in a Bush at Three Beards One Bush on Instagram. That's at the number three beards, the number one, and Bush on Instagram, or by searching Three Beards in a Bush on Facebook. And you can check out Drop Anchor at www.dropanchorband.com and check out Imprint at imprintpa.bandcamp.com. And now, once again, allow me to shill. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps and share it across all the social medias. Tell all your friends about it. And I know you. You are working really hard on being a truly super awesome John Scout and earning your John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world. So lace up them boots, go that extra mile, and rate and review us. Don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yothatsmyjohn for updates and live streams. And find Yo That's My John on YouTube for the video companion to this podcast and more. Like and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out, reach out, and touch some John. We did it! Another podcast in the books. Episode 4, The Halfway Point. I do hope you enjoyed yourself, and I hope you grant me the opportunity to entertain you once again in two weeks. Until then, everybody! Yo, That's My John is a Lonely Monk production, written and produced by yours truly, Nate Runkle. Special thanks goes out to Fox Run Brands, Natalie Runkle Tompkins, and of course, the very lovely Katie Dobney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to see on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo, that's my john at gmail.com. But until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout to the world, yo, that's my john.